0: Welcome to a joint episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast, the uh, Advisor of Inner Circle Podcast and John Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon, and uh, I'm sitting here today across the table from my good friend and client, John Curry. And uh, John, welcome. Good to see you again. Steve, good to see you. So Very good to see you again. Um, and we'll get into why <laughs> I, I said it that way in a minute. Um, but folks, uh, if you notice that the audio is a little bit different on this one, we're not in our normal recording situation. So, uh, that's okay. We're going to, we're going to go forward anyway and make the best of it.
1: No studio today, just using the recorder between us. That's right. So this is more natural.
0: Exactly. So, um, John, you've had a heck of a year. I know some of the folks listening will kind of know what's happened. Uh, but a lot of folks may be listening to this for the first time and, and haven't heard, What's happened, I guess, to you would be the right way to put it over the last uh, over the last year. Or so give us give us a quick update. Okay. Well, first of all, it's nice to be here, and I'm glad
1: we're sharing this with our uh, friends out there. Uh, it all started February 25th. I was having some uh, severe pain in my right leg. I was thinking it might be a nerve issue, but in 2019, I had aneurysms, and they put stents in both my legs. So I went to the vascular surgeon. They checked me out the very next day. I said, no, it's not that. It must be nerves. So to shorten a long story between me going between a vascular surgeon and a neurosurgeon's office, I ended up in the hospital. They did a bypass to try to save my right leg, but the bypass did not work. That was on March 11th. So on March 14th, Sunday, March 14th, they took my leg because if they didn't take amputated, uh, the poisoning that was coming up my leg, they said, would get to my kidneys and kill me. So amputation, got out, had in on healthcare, was doing well, uh, had an infection. And the surgeon and I both were concerned about the left leg. Okay, what if the same thing occurs? So March 11th, I go back in for surgery. They cut a hole the size of a tennis ball in my right leg where the infection was. And they did a bypass of the stent in my left leg to avoid it going bad and having another clot. <clears throat> so first time I was in the hospital a week, two weeks in rehab. Second time, one week in the hospital, three weeks in rehab. So I asked them, I said, why is it going to take so long? They said, well, you dummy, same people have had before. So we had a good relationship you dummy. Before you were here, you had one good leg. Now you got two bad legs, so it's going to take longer. Makes sense? And I was bedridden for 12 days. So um, being as hard-headed and determined as I am, um, I worked every day extra with therapists. When they let me go back, sneak back in and have an extra session of wood or get on the machines, I would do that. And uh, most recently, just uh, two weeks ago, Wednesday this week, two weeks ago, I got my prosthesis. And I went from there right over to the hospital that day, checked myself in at a rehab hospital, was there for nine days, three hours a day of therapy to get me to the point of where you saw me walk in with crutches in your back door earlier coming up the steps. That's right.
0: That's right. Why don't you share with him what happened last time I was here? <laughs> well, yeah, last time uh, <laughs> John came with a wheelchair, and of course, we have a couple of steps to get into the house, and, and, uh, he didn't, he didn't successfully traverse the steps. We'll just put it at that. I failed. <laughs> failed. We're going to talk about failure. So so really, the, the title of today's episode is How to Learn From and Deal With Life's Ambushes. And we're going to talk about that, I think, from a lot of different angles today. Um, a lot of the lessons that um, I think have come out of this will relate to personal life. They'll relate to business. Um, I, I think... Uh, I think there'll be a lot of good things and um, some insights that uh, everybody will take away from this. And so uh, I'm excited for the conversation, John. Um, So this has not been an easy process. I think that's probably putting it mildly. This is the most difficult thing I've ever
1: dealt with in my life, including military training, including kickboxing in Thailand, including open heart surgery in 2008. This is by far the most difficult life-changing game-changing event at the same time as challenging as hell it is it's uh given me
0: insight and uh wisdom that i wouldn't have gotten otherwise yeah I, you know i've told you this privately i've tried to imagine what it would be like you know and, and really from the that day the in, in March 14th, you called me and said, this yes. is what's happening. And uh, I yes. was driving to pick our daughter up from college. I was by myself at the time. And and um, I remember it clearly. Yeah. the The thought, you know, I had two hours in the car by myself. And the thought that kept going through my head was, how would I react if it were me? And the truth is that none of us know until we face it. True. And I've noticed that every time that I've, I've mentioned to someone what you're going through, you can see the look on their face. You know, it's, they, they immediately sort of turn inward and go, Ooh, that's kind of horrific. It's not kind of horrific. It is horrific. What would I do? How would I react? You can see that, that thought process go through just about everybody's head. You can see it on their face. When you tell them that I've observed that and uh, I don't think any of us can know. You can't know, but let me tell you what I'm telling everyone it happened this morning. In therapy. Cause I
1: had almost two hours of therapy before I came here to see you. And John came over to see me. He's about my age, 68, maybe 70. He said, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing. I've I can never do that. I said, sure you could. Every one of you listening to this could, and you would in your own way. Because what's the alternative? You're going to crawl into a fetal position, suck your thumb and give up, or you're going to fight like hell to get your life back. So I've given up a lot. A lot. And I want it all back. And I'm going to have it. I know it. I don't believe it. I know it. There's a difference between believing something and knowing something. Believing something is what you've learned from someone else. Knowing something is what you've learned from your own experiences, good and bad. So you want to know it, or do you want to believe it?
0: I'd rather know it. I want to take you back to the that Sunday in the hospital. Um, the doctor comes in, shares some pretty shocking news with you. Yes. I talked to you shortly thereafter. Yeah, you were my third phone call. Yeah, you were... Girlfriend, brother, you. You were amazingly calm given what what they told you and the time frame in which it was going to happen, because this was not going to be a, hey, we're going to do this later, so we're going to do this now. Correct. How how do you face that with that kind of calm? I don't know. The surgeon,
1: both surgeons involved, have asked me every time I see them, how did you so calmly do that? Because here's what happened. My surgeon was out of town, so his partner came in. And she said, we've been monitoring, and I forget what they called it, but there's a certain level of stuff they were watching. On Friday, it was 4,000. Saturday, it was 8,000.
0: And Sunday,
1: it, it was 12,000. She came in. You can see she was worried. She says, we have a problem. We're going to have to amputate. And I'm thinking, my foot? And she goes, no, your leg above the knee. And I look at her, and I go, well? And she said, if we don't do it, this is going to get to your kidneys and kill you. I said, well, that makes it a pretty easy decision. So you're telling me amputation or die. She said, that's correct. I said, okay, when do we do this? She said, as fast as I can get you into OR. She said, probably an hour, hour and a half. I said, okay, you got things to do. I got people to call. See you later. So she never even sat down. Spun around, went out. And about an hour and a half later, they're prepping me and we go. And all I can attribute it to is over the years, I have trained myself to not agonize and worry about stuff when presented with a problem. And I I will tell you, a lot of that goes back to uh, military training, martial arts training, fitness. At one time, I weighed 284 pounds. And one day, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And started working on that being mentally and physically tough. And we talk about mindset all the time. I think it came down really to two things, Steve, that I had developed the mental mindset that I will not, I will not give up. And I, you notice I did not say I will not fail. You will fail. I have failed today. I failed a dozen times today. Let me explain. So in therapy, the first time they give you something new to do, it's damn near impossible to do it properly the first time because it's brand new. you got, I'm on one leg with the crutches I'm, and a new leg. So I'm having to learn and reset and rebalance and rethink everything. Nothing's the same. But what motivated me through this has been getting back what I lost, what I lose, dancing with my lady, long walks to the lake, riding my bicycle, I went down to St. Mark's and back, 32 mile round trip, martial arts, fishing, hunting with family members. So I, I want that back. So to get that back, I have to do whatever it takes that's necessary to get stronger and stronger because now just to walk, I have to tighten my glute real hard and use my thigh. So we're working on muscles that right now, they're hurting. There's from a good hurt. That's <sighs> the soreness from working out. But I'm having to relearn everything. <laughs> and I see you <laughs> smiling there. It's a total it's
0: a total mental readjustment. Yeah, I would imagine it's it literally is working, learning to walk all over again, start, starting from scratch. I'm yes, sure.
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. But I've had good people around me, which is another thing I would say that's key to success no matter what you do in your personal life or in your uh, business life. Yeah, we talked about this from Dan Sullivan, the four freedoms. And I put them in this order, relationships, time, energy, and money. You could poke me in the ribs at four in the morning. What are, what are the four freedoms? Relationships, time, energy, money. If I don't have good relationships, I don't really need time and energy, doing. it Don't need much money either. So everything that you put in front of me, I'm going to run through those four filters. Including my, my invitation. Okay. So what did this do to my energy level? Well, drop it a little bit. Money didn't bother me because I had good team around me to help support me. And uh, that would be April, Jay and Zach and uh, Audie. So I had good people around me. I consider you part of our team. You were there for me. So what is your support group like? Relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, and those people that are so independent, they go, I don't need anybody. Well, you're full of crap. You do need people around you. So put the ego on the shelf and accept the fact that we all need each other. We all need someone in our lives that we can trust and depend upon. And we should be there for them when they need that trust and support. And then time. So this is taking a lot of time. It was three hours a day of therapy for nine days in a row in the hospital. It's taken a huge amount of energy. I've had to summon a lot of energy uh, to deal with it. And most of my therapies now as outpatient are an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And I'll be doing that for about eight weeks. And I've made a determination, whatever it takes, that's the number one goal. There's nothing, nothing, including family, nothing, nobody, more important than me being able to walk with this prosthesis without the aid of crutches. That is numero uno. Everything else, business, everything else takes a backseat. It's
0: almost like uh, what they tell you in the airplane, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. Absolutely. You know, you have to be capable of helping someone else. You have to get yourself capable of helping someone before you can help And that is the approach I use, and I tell that story probably,
1: no exaggeration, three, four times a week. Mm And, and I've, I've been telling them for years because people would say, well, let's have breakfast at six thirty, seven o'clock on a Monday, Wednesday or Friday. And what would I tell Can't do it. I'm in the gym yeah. at 6 sharp, 45 minutes with a trainer that I had for six years, then another one after him. Because the mindset was I had to take care of myself first. Because remember, at one time I weighed 284. When I weighed... Wednesday I weighed two twenty four point six and that's including twenty pounds of hardware on me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about developing that mindset. Um, okay. By the way, folks,
1: we don't have a script here, so I don't know where he's going to go with these questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't either. So we're working without a net. But I, it occurs to me that you've developed that skill of sort of resetting and refocusing at a level that most people have not. At least most of the people that I've met. I would agree with that. Most people around me, uh, when I try to explain it, they look at me like I've got three heads. They, they don't get it. You, you, I know you've int- intentionally worked on this, and you've worked on it really for a long time. What are some of the, the things that you have done that, that have contributed to being at a place where when they deliver that news on that Sunday, you're calm and focused. I think it's two things. And I think everyone listening has
1: the power to do this. They can can snap their fingers like that and be on their way. I don't think it's any great revelation. I think it's two things. I think number one is taking care of yourself, getting physically fit. Because if you're physically fit to where you have good cardio, you have good strength, and I don't mean bulking up being like – Big muscle man. I don't mean that at all. I just mean that you, you're fit. You're what I would call functionally fit, that you can bend over and pick something up. Today, the lady thought she was going to have some fun with me. The therapist judy's her name. She takes my crutches from me. She puts them on the floor. She says, "What are you going to do now?" Hasn't been able to pick them up. <laughs> she goes, "There's no way you just did that." She I wouldn't got, expect. <laughs> I got two of them. And, and I didn't touch anything. Been, she she said, okay, let me see them. So she put one here and one over there. What are you going to do now? i then pick up the first one. I reached out with it and pulled the other one to me. She so goes, damn. Okay. And I said, what else? And then later she puts a, uh, I don't know what it was, like a little barrier thing, like a bolster in front of me, and she stood on it. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't move it. So I just walked up to it, put my crutches in front of it, stepped over it, put the crutches over it, brought the prosthesis over. She goes, I would never thought you'd do that. You have, you, where'd you learn that? By practicing on curbs. Mm-hmm. Every time I park my truck, there's a curb going in the side. I, I got to practice that. What if there's no wheelchair around? What if there's no easy way to get out? I've, I've got to be able to walk up a step or a curb. Mm-hmm. So I've been practicing it. So I, so I would say two things, work on your physical fitness to the point of you are comfortable you're balanced. You can bend over. You can do the things you need to do. You have your balance. Because if you work on the physical side, the mental side will get real tough. That's why in military, I, you know, I was in the Air Force. There was eight weeks at the time, the basic training, don't know what it is nowadays. I played football in high school. I had two tough coaches right in your face screaming at you all the time. So early on, I did a lot of hard work, loading watermelons, loading hay, loading pulpwood. So I've always had somewhat of the physical mentality of doing what it takes. And then just over time, I started reading everything I could get on understanding how the mind works and reprogramming your, your brain. And I mean, I've, I've done that from day one in my business, 1975. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you seen my library? Mm-hmm. I have. And, and, and books like I just gave you by David Goggins, you know, can't hurt me. Mm -hmm. So anything and everything I get my hands on, written by special operations people like Navy SEALs, bring the rays. I read that, understand it as much as I can. Now you're not in combat. We're not in combat, literally, but we're in combat every day. Mm -hmm. There's crap happening all around us every day that we have to deal with and and get our way through. And some people are locked up right now. They go home. I, I have a friend who lives in my subdivision. She has not been out of her house, other than going to Publix and straight back, for a year, well, since March of last year, that's a year man. Wow. She has been out of her home, she told me, six times, hmm. six, to go somewhere. Because a lot of times her,
0: her daughter would bring her food. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, okay. I'm guessing the reason that she's stuck in her home is fear. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about fear because... Oh, I've had some fear the last few weeks, a few months. Let's talk about fear. Go ahead. We won't talk about it. <laughs> well, I, I think that's... If we break down the mindset piece of it, like you can get into all of these tricks and all these things, and, and you can think that it has to take a long time to develop this skill. It does not. And, and I did for a long time until I realized that largely it's just a decision, and the decision can be made in an instant. Mm -hmm. And and you need a couple of things to be able to make the decision. Number one, you need to understand that you have the power to make the decision. And number two, you need to understand what the decision is. And so for me, the way that I look at that is that when I'm presented with something that creates the emotion of fear, that feeling of fear, I first need to recognize that I'm feeling that. And then I ask the question, is this real? Mm -hmm. Does this, Because there are times when you should be afraid. You know, somebody puts a gun to your head. You probably, that fear at that point is probably a somewhat healthy reaction. Uh, I would say so. Right? You know, a lion shows up at your front door and the door's open. That might be a time to say fear would be the appropriate reaction. Absolutely. But, you know, for most of us who are going to listen to this, who are living in the first world, in no matter... Where you are in in your journey if're you're, if you 're if you're living in the first world you 're probably among the wealthiest people that have ever lived on the planet absolutely there there are very few things in our to day lives that that create that kind of need for that fight or flight fear. but some of the stuff we go through just in business can reveal itself that way to us it it, it manifests that way in our minds and so it 's is this real? And if it's not real, then why don't I just stop reacting to it as if it were? Somewhere early on in my career, first year in business, I learned that
1: fear stands for false evidence appearing real. I'll say it again, false evidence appearing real. And I actually created a speech where I talked about Fear, you know, like tied it to football. Okay. So, quarterback has the football. He's got a run, and all of a sudden he looks out, and, you know, there's this big old linebacker who's got an F on his chest. And then the an E, A, and R. So, I won't get through the story now, but, but as they hit each sort other, of, poof, realize they disappeared. They've lost. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it just takes what you just said. Number one, I call it rebalancing. Okay. I've got it rebalance. Okay. What happened here? Something's not right. Uh, and in the martial arts, I would say that and we're taught, okay, get your bearings, what happened? What's the threat? Can I deal with that threat? Am I capable? And we're taught first to avoid it. If you can't avoid it, run if you can. But if you have to engage, know what your game plan is and don't back down. If you've got, you got to engage, get it done. And get it done quickly. And, and I learned that in uh, the ring, the kickboxing in Thailand. in, I don't recommend anyone go do that, by the way. I was stupid and uh, young at 20 years old doing that. But same thing, you, you knew, you knew for a fact when you crawled in the ring that you were going to get hurt because you're going to get kicked, punched and elbowed and all that was legal. So you knew that going in, okay? But if you're walking down the street and all of a sudden some thug comes at you, you're not expecting that because you live in the United States of America thinking that you're safe but it's not just physical threats, it's financial threats. You know, A lot of people are going through a lot of pain right now, a lot of adversity because of this pandemic. A lot, a lot of people are fearful and justifiably, but some people are living in fear and allowing fear to control them when they could change that in about a nanosecond if they would just choose to do so. You know, and it's not easy.
0: I agree, it's not easy. It's simple. It's just not easy. Right. You know, because once you recognize that that you are feeling the fear, there is a cause for it, usually. Mm-hmm. And while that might not be an immediate existential threat, although in your case it was, I mean, you were going to cease to exist. Right. If, if within, hadn't hours. Dealt with it, within hours. Within hours, if you hadn't dealt with it. But, um, you know, I think it's it's a matter of recognizing, it, getting rid of the emotion of it so that you can then focus and deal with what's in front of you and begin to move through it. And that's the hard
1: part. The hard part is letting go is separating the emotional side from the decision-making side. That's what I'm battling every day now. I got frustrated this morning. Uh, people can't see me, but I'm wearing, I wear shorts most of the time now because it's very difficult to... And I have three pair of dress likes that I've had the right leg cut at the knee and hemmed, and a pair of jeans and one pair of khakis, because sometimes I will put on the long pants. But the way it is with this prosthesis, pretty much I have to wear shorts for the time being. I'll get to the point where I can wear the other pants. But it's a pain, because the leg has to go long before I can put the clothes on, the pants on, and it. this morning, I just wanted to take the damn leg and throw it out the window. <laughs> back door.
0: That wouldn't be good.
1: That wouldn't be good. So I sit there, and my style is, and I'll just tell people, my style is, I'll fuss and cuss for a minute, and I'll say, screw it. Let's get it done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, then, and I love Richard Branson's book, screw it, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And as there comes a time, we just get a good old dose of competitive anchor, and you say, damn it, I'm not going to give up. Mm-hmm. And you go for it. But I don't want to this fear for a minute or, or a fear or a, like this, a, a negative life event. The first thing we should do is teach ourselves to stop. What's going on? What am I feeling? What has happened? Accept where we are. For a long time, I was one of these guys, because of the martial arts training and all that in Thailand, and later in life, a little cocky. You know, I was trained you're talking about a gun a while ago. I was trained to put a gun on my forehead, I'd take it away from you. Come at me with a knife or a baseball bat. It was mine. Well, I have to accept the fact I'm not as fast as I was before. Even forget about the imputation, I'm 68 years old. It'll be 69 in December. So we have to accept the fact, well, some people can't, but along the way, wise people accept the fact that they have limitations and you learn how to adjust. For them. So we have to accept the reality and then have a new game plan to allow us to move forward. But I want to talk about failure for a minute, if we can go back to that. Those nine days that I was in that rehab hospital, so I had three hours of work, then I had 21 hours of reading, sleeping, resting. I'll bet you those nine days I didn't watch four hours of television. I read two books from cover to cover. I made a lot of notes, pads like this, dictation, pads like that, journals, determining what the hell I wanted to be when I grew up. So what does the future look like? I don't think we spend enough time thinking about the present and the future. Most of us are so hung up on the past and compare our life to the past. And I like to think, and again, I don't know who to learn this from, you can look in the rearview mirror or you can look through the windshield. The windshield is much bigger and it's looking forward. rear mirror is the past. Now driving, you've got to use both to know what's around you. But there comes a time, see, when we just have to accept the fact, okay, this is not good. This is not good. Having my leg cut off was not a good event. A lot of pain, a lot of um, tension in personal relationships. Cost me a relationship that's very dear to me. Set me back some. But on the financial side, everything was sound because I had everything in order. A good team around me to support. And my number one goal about 10 years ago was to work on what happens to my clientele. If something happened to me and I died, became totally disabled, or truly wanted to walk away and retire. And I've been very blessed to build a team around me of people who are loving, caring professionals. They love our clients. Clients love them. So I didn't have to worry about my clients being taken care of. I didn't have to worry about money since back in March because I have a team around me to help me. I have the infrastructure to support team, But I think all that's important. I think all of that's very important. And, and, and things will go wrong. It, it will, will
0: go wrong. wrong. I think that's just the nature of the world. And certainly <laughs> if you're in business, <clears throat> if, if you're not a crockerjack problem solver, you're going to be in for a world of hurt. I mean,
1: <laughs> or surround yourself with people who are. Yeah. I'm so proud of April. She did something yesterday. We did a webinar and she wanted to try something new. And I said, go for it. And she did. And it was very successful. But we have to be willing as business owners to have people around us that are smarter than us and are willing to do things differently than we are. And we have to have the courage to, to allow them to do it, knowing mm-hmm. they're going to make a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We made mistakes coming I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mac Davis wrote a song about you. It's called, oh Lord, I Can't Wait. Uh, look in the mirror.
0: I get a better look at each day. You're so humble. <laughs> uh, yeah, I resemble that remark. Um, so you've been working now to really focus your mind on dealing with the adversity that's in front of you and move beyond it, overcome it. Um, I think you've been quite successful, honestly. I mean, Thank you. I, uh, I know that the, the medical professionals, the therapists that you're working with can't believe the progress that you've made. Um, I, I nicknamed you the most productive man <laughs> yes, in rehab. I think that was the second time around because you sold a piece of property, uh, bought a truck, sold two trucks. <laughs> and I think at that point, business-wise, your numbers were e- either equal or maybe a hair below or maybe a hair above, but not so much either direction that you could have even told. It. You couldn't tell from the outside that you'd not been at the office for about six months at that point. Right. And I, I've noticed all through this time, you have been focused more than ever on strengthening that mindset. Because mm-hmm. I can't afford to have a, a lapse on that. It's more important now than ever. Now, have you had any lapses?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I've had two meltdowns. Yeah. Uh, the, the first one was uh, at my lady's kitchen counter. I'm sitting there on a bar stool and all of a sudden, tears just came out of nowhere, just flowing down my cheeks. Her name's Susie. She said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. And she, she came around behind me put her arms around me said, you'll get through this. You'll be fine. And I, I don't know what it was. I just it was just sobbing for just a few minutes and i was fine and it was almost like brushed it off it was good don't know where in the hell it came from but it did second was in the second rehab when i was working on a machine called a new step it's a recumbent recliner uh, elliptical and i've been on the thing a dozen times i get on it my right leg that was it has been amputated involuntarily just raised up on its own without me trying to do a thing with it to go into this service to
0: you As if it was putting your foot that's no longer there in place. Correct. And I just tears just
1: started flowing in. So I stopped. I'm just sitting there. I didn't realize it, but one of the therapists that was assigned to me, she saw what happened. She came over with some tissues in front of me says, you want to talk about what just happened? I said, I do. She said, you know what happened? I said, yeah, I know what happened. The brain thinks my left foot is still there and it was spinning it up on my skirt because the left foot went in. She said, that's right. She said, you want to talk about it? What's her talk about? I know what happened. I know why it happened, I now mean, I can do it. She said, why do you think it's so emotional? I said, because it absolutely was so unexpected. It kind of blew my mind. But those those are some of the things where, and I've had some anger. I've had two times where I've just maddened hell. One was putting on clothes. I had put on my dress shirt. I want to go to the office, look good, because I've been in working. Yeah, it's not like I have disappeared forever. So I've been in the office quite a bit. I was in yesterday. Two client meetings and a webinar yesterday. I was trying to put on my pants, and I couldn't get the pants on. I didn't have the prosthesis then, so I got mad. At I took the pants off, threw them in the corner. I took the dress shirt off and threw it in the corner. My <laughs> girlfriend was by me. She goes, you feel better? I said, actually, I do. <laughs> so this shirt that I have on, fishing shirt, and uh, pants that have big wide legs of what I've been wearing. It's my new way to dress. And I was talking to Chris herself at uh, our office. And I said, this is what I'm wearing. He said, I think you have earned the right to wear whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we've talked a little bit about dealing with life's ambushes, but I want to talk now about what you've learned from life's latest ambush.
1: (laughs) I've learned that it's okay to admit you can't do something. It's okay to accept help. It's okay to ask for help. I remember my friend Claire Rice telling me many, many years ago, two things, (laughs) One was the occasion was I gave a speech, a big group of people, about 200 people at a time. And people were standing up applauding, and I stepped off the stage real quick. Now, fortunately, she was in the front row. So she steps up, grabs me by the elbow, takes me back to the stage, and like points at me and made me stand there. Now, she had no role in this organization at all, but she just took control. And afterwards, she told me, she said, don't do not walk away when people are praising you. Do not diminish that. And then one day she offered me something and I forget now what it was. I said, no, thank you. She said, do not deprive me of my gift. I go, what? She said, I'm trying to do something for you. If you say no, you're depriving me of my gift to you. And for a period of time I forgot that during this. Because what's the mindset? Got to, I gotta learn how to do it. I gotta learn how to do it. Yeah. Out at the truck when I drove up, what did you do? You offered to close the truck door. Yeah, you did. Get my bag for me. Normally, that it's got a long strap that goes right around my neck, and I keep on going because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can't have both hands free. Obviously, with crutches, and the crutches I use, folks are forearm crutches, not under the arms. So, the learning how to ask for help, pray, accepting help saying, please, thank you. I've always been pretty good at those. But this is redoubling. And also the wisdom part of it is realizing really whatever comes your way, you'll deal with it. You'll find a way to deal with it. My, my favorite phrase right now, I told it to the to gentleman this morning, one of the therapists, he's a massive man. Good God. He's got, his shoulders are wider than mine and yours combined. Big old guy and fit. 6'6 six, six, Monster of a Man and uh, he looked at me and goes there is no quit in you is there I said oh yeah yeah I said there's a little book called The Dip you might want to read by Seth Godin that talks about when to strategically quit and there's basically three purges on it the dip the um, help me out here the cul-de-sac cul-de-sac thank you and the cliff if you know you're about to watch off the cliff, you might want to turn around and go back to the other damn way. <laughs> you don't keep doing that. And the cul-de-sac is the toughest one, folks. And this is one I've been dealing with on a personal side that Steve's intimately uh, knows about because I've bugged out him about it a lot. If you're on a cul-de-sac, it simply means you're doing the same old thing, going around in a circle, going around in a circle. And when you catch yourself doing that, get off of the cul-de-sac. You know, get out, get off of it. Uh, or a uh, roundabout, probably a better way to think about it. And then, but the dip is where there's a learning curve and there's a huge learning curve I'm discovering. And for the time you strap on the prosthesis, it weighs about 20 pounds. It feels like it weighs 100 pounds, by the way, lifting it up. Big learning curve, just on how to get it on properly and then how to stand up and learn how to use it. I'm nowhere near got that perfected. I've been working on that three hours a day for nine days and then an hour and a half a
0: day, three days this week. So i got a lot to learn. A lot to learn. It's been amazing to watch. Um, anything before we wrap up, John, that, that we haven't touched on that, that you wanted to uh, share today? Yes. I thought of something else I think extremely important
1: that I have to give Steve credit for one time really beating me up over and it's our friend Dan Sullivan wrote a book called Wanting What You Want. And Steve and I were in Orlando, actually at Winter Park, for one of his events. And I had went and purchased a strap for a Rolex watch. And the strap was like $175. And I was telling Steve about it. And, and I it got, got kind of miffed at him because felt like he, he thought I was either like trying to justify or rationalize it. And I was just bragging about it, I thought. And he says... Want what you want. And what I'm learning more and more, and I'm a tad impatient with people who all I hear is tell me what they don't want. So in a business setting, tell me what you want. And they start telling me all the things they don't want. And I'll say this every time. And everyone this call can use this personally and professionally. You're real clear, Steve, on what you don't want. And I'm glad you are. But I haven't heard one thing out of your mouth yet that would tell me what you want. What do you want? And I, I'm wearing that question out, even with myself. What do I want? I've got so much clarity now from being forced, forced to be bedridden. Let's say one time was seven days. Second time, 12 days. And then being, I don't want to say helpless. I don't like that word helpless. But needing people to help me do stuff that I'd do myself. Even from the standpoint of the bed, of getting up and go use the bathroom by myself and not rely on somebody with a bedpan or bathing me. They're like, that's our job, I know. But you know what, I'd, I'd rather do that myself. Thank you very damn much. And so I was
0: determined.
1: But, but I, would, I just would simply say, be clear on what you want, get clarity. And I'm using that word clarity over and over and over. I need clarity. So I tell people, I've always, I learned this in the military, tell me what you want, show me, demonstrate it in other words, and then let me do it. And in the world of speaking, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you. Tell them, and tell them what you told them. Good trial lawyers will tell you that. They're going to tell the jury, Mr. and Mrs., Jurors, here's what I'm going to demonstrate to you. They do it, and they come back, and they summarize my saying, Here's what we did. So get clarity on everything that you deal with, and if you don't have clarity, back off for a moment. Say, "What is it I want? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this to please someone else?" It goes back to relationships again. Relationships, time, energy, and money. Why am I doing it? You have earned a relationship with me. If you called me at four in the morning, said, "John, I need you. Where the hell are you?" John, I need fifty thousand dollars. Where are you? How do I get it to you? So, time, energy, money—not a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are people in your life that just because of the power and the strength of the relationship, the time, energy, money is not even questioned. But you have to earn that. And so for me, all the things that you and I have been studying for a long time together, we've been, we've been helping each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've been there together for each other through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But I'm I'm realizing at a I call it gut level, if that's the right way to put it or not. But at a not just an intellectual level, but at a true physical gut level, yes. that all of that stuff's important, and it's important to just keep on keeping on. But if you don't have clarity on what you want, you may find that you're working your tail off, wasting a lot of time and energy and money hmm. uh, that's not necessary. So, so for me, I'm just asking myself, what's the number one relationship? Me. I'm number one. And that sounds cocky and arrogant until you understand, like you said about the mask on the airplane. If I don't take care of me first, I can't be a value to you or anyone else. Mm -hmm. can't be a value to my family, friends, clients. Take care of yourself. So I would end it with this. Get real clear on what you want in all areas of your life. Uh, I'll repeat the freedoms again. I would encourage you to embrace this. I would encourage you to uh, go to Strategic Coach and get his book. And learn it. But uh, relationship freedom, time freedom, money freedom, excuse me, energy freedom, I put it, and money. Money is last. I can get more money. And by the way, I used to say you can't get more time. That's not true. You can purchase time. I can buy other people's time. I can buy their energy. I can get more of my own energy by doing what? Relaxing, rest, eat properly, exercise, so I can create more energy. So a lot of the things we've been told is just not true. And people say you can't get more time. Yes, you can. I can buy other people's time. I can trade my money for their time. I can trade some of my money for your energy. Makes sense. Totally. And that puts you in a position of where you can pursue the things you want. And I would end with one more thing. I'm glad we're doing this because there are a lot of things that we are dealing with now that are
0: tough.
1: It's tough dealing with what's happening with the Pandemic with all of the divisiveness that we see around us. I see people in my Rotary Club, the 100 Club, where you went uh, when I spoke that day for lunch. I see people that are arguing about stuff that, in the scheme of things, they have no damn control over. And more and more people are asking me, How can you be so calm about this particular problem, whatever it is, and well? What can you do about it? When it comes to financial planning and retirement planning, I ask people, you appear to be worried about the global economy. So let me ask you a question. What can you do about the global economy? U.S. economy, the state economy, the local. You can't do a damn thing about it. You can go vote if you don't like the policy making decisions, but there's only one economy you control. It's yours. You control how much you save. You control how much you spend. You might not control how much you earn because you have a fixed salary, maybe. But you do control how much you spend mm-hmm. and how much you save. And it's the same thing with our energy and our time. We get to control that. So I would just simply say, I hope what we've covered today will help a lot of people. One of the things that I have decided that's most important to me moving forward is how many people can we impact in a positive manner through our recordings, our books. By the way, I have a new book. Thank you very much for that. For the I I just think we have an obligation to help as many people as we can. And I love uh, what our friend Dan says also that there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. I don't need all of them. I only want to work with the ones who want me. And if they don't want me, that's okay. the more feelings. But on that note I would say thank you for doing this and um, taking the time out of your day to let's have this conversation.
0: Yeah, this has been great. Uh, Thanks for sharing and for being open. And uh, folks, I I hope this has been beneficial, um, regardless of which of the three podcasts you're you're listening on. Um, If you're not already subscribed to one of those podcasts and you come across this recording, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast player and uh, subscribe to either the Unstoppable CEO podcast, the Advisor Inner Circle podcast or John's uh, Secure Retirement podcast. Until next time, we will uh, we'll be moving forward, won't we? Absolutely. All right, my friend. See thanks you soon. Thanks, Steve.
2: If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities Products and Services and Advisory Services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain Risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System, the Living Balance Sheet, and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, copyright 2005-2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue's Securities or guardian and opinion stated are their own. 2021 128848 expires November 2023.